The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. There is video circulating online right now from the last 15 minutes of police in Australia appearing, and I want to underscore that word, appearing to fire uh, at protesters who are running away from them, shooting them in the back. It appears, I mean, I certainly would think this will be uh, rubber bullets that they're using. We had uh, somewhere between 40 and 60 people arrested yesterday in Melbourne. Have you been following the COVID situation in Australia? Uh, It is crazy. They shut down the construction industry for two weeks. Yesterday, I saw a story that you cannot leave your, you literally cannot leave your house except in extremely rare instances with advance permission. Such is their fear of COVID. Uh, I heard their like health minister or somebody the other day refer to building colonies for people who may have COVID, like like leper colonies, and she referred to it as the new world order. It gets more and more dystopian every day. And, you know, there's a tendency, somebody in my position where I have a platform and I don't want to be labeled a crazy person, but I also don't want to just be asleep at the switch. The theme of the show today is like, don't be the frog who gets slowly boiled in the pot and at some point goes, hey man, it's hot in here and it's too late to do anything about it. But always before when I've seen things happen across the world, they, they happen in China, whether it's Tiananmen Square, you know, Russia. Did they really do the right thing by their people after Chernobyl? I never expected those countries to do the right thing because they're bad places. They have bad governments. They have dictators. They have, uh, they have no rights. They don't have freedom. They don't have accountability in the press. And now I look at our country, and all these things are going on in countries like in Canada, where they're arresting pastors because he's telling the authorities, get out of my church, we're having Easter services, get out of my church. He gets hauled away to prison, Arthur Pulowski. Australia is a place where I wanted to go to Australia on my honeymoon. I've always wanted to go to Australia. Couldn't get my wife to stay on a plane that long, so we didn't go. You see the way they're... uh, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's like Gestapo tactics over there to control the crowds and keep them in line. They're arresting people just for leaving their houses. They arrested a guy the other night because he went out and got Kentucky Fried Chicken and brought it back to his house. It's crazy what's going on over there. And... We've got a president who doesn't have to answer any questions about any of his mammoth failures, which is to say, like, every single thing he touches or everything, policy he enacts, he doesn't answer any questions about it. The comfort that I take is that I just feel like there's still a lot of people who aren't fully on board with all of this nonsense. But he's in office. I firmly believe this. He's in office. He's in office for two reasons. He's in office because COVID was weaponized against the sitting president. 
the Democrats were successful in making people think. People who were already predisposed to not like Donald Trump. And Donald Trump had a role in that. Had a big role in that. They were able to weaponize COVID, which is not something, I think now when you look at the COVID numbers climbing now, we have vaccines, we have therapeutics, we have a year plus of more knowledge about COVID. It's pretty clear, like COVID's going to COVID, and there's nothing Donald Trump could have done about it, and there's nothing Joe Biden could do about it, right? It's just it's just not a political thing, but it's been made political, and it's forever going to be political. So they were able to leverage COVID to get Trump out of office. And then the other thing they were able to do, they were able to silence the Hunter Biden story, which had it come out in the mainstream media three weeks before the election, I don't believe... Joe Biden would have been able to beat Donald Trump despite COVID. Despite COVID. Uh, Here is Glenn Greenwald, independent journalist, one of the last few who's competent, talking about the revelations in a book by a reporter from Politico. He has confirmed the emails showing that the Hunter Biden laptop and all the emails that came out of it were legit. We already knew they were legit. The New York Post got censored, banned from Twitter. You couldn't tweet about the story. I couldn't tweet about the story. You couldn't link to the New York Post story. So we all knew this laptop was legit. We all knew the emails in it that show Joe Biden being on the take and his son lining up money for him. Had the American people known that, and unfortunately most people still get their news from mainstream outlets, whether it's radio, newspaper, or television. But here is Glenn Greenwald explaining why that story was ignored. Now, this was not a Republican operative. This was Hunter Biden's own business partner. So you had this mountain of evidence. The problem was that it was all compiled by the only outlets interested in investigating this story, which were conservative outlets like the Daily Caller, Fox News. And so it got ignored almost entirely by the liberal wing of the corporate media that was desperate to elect Joe Biden and bury any stories like these that might have been harmful to his chances to win. In other words, they were acting as campaign operatives and not as journalists, had no interest in investigating this. They pretended this evidence of authenticity didn't exist. And in its place, what they used was an outright lie from the CIA, from ex-CIA officials like John Brennan and others who had spent years propagating frauds in Russiagate and feeding it to the media outlet. Yeah, the Russiagate Instead thing. of investigating, instead of reporting on the contents of the story, they just repeated this FBI lie over and over as an excuse to censor the story and to get people to ignore it. And to this very day, they maintain this lie was true. Yeah, so they do. He's right. I'm sorry I broke in on that. The whole Russia collusion thing was concocted to undermine Trump's presidency. They were trying to get him impeached, removed from office. That didn't work. So, oh, look, remember what Jane Fonda said about COVID? Oh, it's a gift to Democrats. It's a gift to get rid of Trump. But then, you know, Hunter Biden is the gift that keeps on giving from a train wreck perspective. And he's cavorting with hookers and sniffing crack and Parmesan cheese that he thinks is crack. And he doesn't keep track of his dirty business dealings that expose his father. Does it make any sense that there could be a cut from Burisma and other foreign interests for Joe Biden? Would that be supported by, well, I don't know, the fact that 
Joe Biden never made more than $200,000 a year as a federal salary in almost half a century as a senator and a vice president. But he owns like four different homes that are worth multiple millions of dollars. Yeah, that makes sense. That stacks up. It's a story the mainstream media doesn't want to tell you. And as Glenn Greenwald referred, this letter that they used that Natasha Bertrand of The Atlantic and CNN, that Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow of MSNBC, that Wolf Blitzer and Christian Amanpour and other journalists used this letter from the CIA to say, oh, it's Russian disinformation, Hunter Biden's laptop. What did that letter really say? Well, it didn't say what they said it said. But if you actually looked at the letter that they reported that the intelligence official signed, it didn't actually say what this headline says, that the Hunter Biden story is Russian disinformation. They were much slimier about it, but actually more honest than even these journalists. Let's take a look at the key paragraph of this letter that they all use. Here it is, the letter from former intelligence officials on October 19th that became the excuse to censor the story. And what it says, and you can read it right up there, is we want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided by to the New York Post are genuine or not. And we do not have evidence of Russian involvement. Just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. So they admitted from the start that they had no evidence. So on the one hand, you have no evidence by their own admission that the... Russian government was involved or this was disinformation versus a mountain of evidence that it was actually authentic. And yet the corporate media was so desperate to bury the truth about Joe Biden and make sure that nothing endangered what they were eager to have be his victory three weeks from then, that this letter from known liars in the CIA gave them the excuse to perpetrate a massive fraud on you and on the American public. And that's how he got elected president. If he even did get elected president without funny business in Philadelphia, Detroit, Atlanta, and Milwaukee. So the book is The Bidens Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power. It's by Politico reporter Ben Schreckinger, which makes his life a little bit awkward because Politico is one of the people who did the blocking for Biden on this story. So... Are we in for three more years of this? Can he hide out? Uh, There is one Ohio congressman who is doing what he can to stop that. I will tell you about him next on The Bruce Willis Show. I am not familiar with the lion's share of Representative Bob Gibbs' legislative agenda. He is a congressman from the Ashland area, so he would be there... Well, we don't have one right now because Steve Stivers quit in the middle of his term. Uh, We will determine whether it is Mike Carey. I forget who's running on the Democratic side. (laughs) It's irrelevant to me. Uh, But anyway, Bob Gibbs is your guy in Ashland. And Bob Gibbs uh, has introduced three articles of impeachment against President Joe Biden. Uh, He says, I take this seriously. I don't think it's haphazard. I'm not trying to get media attention for myself. He's not capable of being commander-in-chief, and that's obvious by the actions since day one. Uh, So he's got two other people in this foxhole with him, a congressman from Arizona, actually three, 
Uh, one and two from Texas. <laughs> yeah, shocker, huh? Border communities. Yes, or border states. Uh, so this will go nowhere as long as the Democrats control the House. They control the House by only 10 seats, however. And uh, we shall see uh, how much they, how much of a bath they take in the midterm. The Democrats in the House, your AOCs, your Ilhan Omars, uh, made headlines yesterday by cutting out of the state budget infrastructure, or the uh, federal budget infrastructure bill, $1 billion, which was supposed to go to Israel to fund their Iron Dome program. Now, if you know anything about the Iron Dome program in Israel, it is an amazing technology that functions solely, solely, as a defensive weapon to shoot rockets aimed at Israel, shoot those rockets out of the sky. The last time we had widespread unrest in Israel was because Hamas, terrorist group, was firing rockets from the Gaza Strip into Israel. Israel just picks like 95% of those out of the sky, blows them up before they land. So what would be the rationale, the only rationale, for not wanting to fund the Iron Dome? Oh, I think it's pretty self-evident. You would have to be someone who wants those Hamas rockets to land in Jerusalem, in Tel Aviv, and other places to kill Israeli citizens. That is the only possible justification you would have for stripping out funding of the Iron Dome from the budget. So, this should inspire widespread criticism and bring down upon the Omars, the AOCs, the Rashida Talibs, uh, the wrath not just of God, which it most certainly will, but of their fellow Democrats. Now, there are, however, precious few of them who have the courage of their convictions to say anything about it. There's one from Michigan. Her name is Slotkin. She's upset about it. Good for her. Shows me there is at least a vestige of honor among some Democratic congressmen. Uh, Another, Josh Gottheimer from New Jersey, says the Iron Dome protects innocent civilians in Israel from terrorist attacks, and some of my colleagues have now blocked it. We must stand by our historic ally, the only democracy in the Middle East. Oh, well, no wonder AOC's against it, a democracy. She wants everything to be a dictatorship with her as dictator. Uh, So that is where we are. That is who the opposition is. They are against Israel. And as I've said many times, and as I will say until the day I draw my last breath, if you are against Israel... You are, (laughs) to coin a phrase, decidedly on the wrong side of history. That will be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now, for about a week, I've had in my hand a story about a young doctor in Columbus that ran in the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, We've talked today about uh, agenda-driven reporting in the national media on the Hunter Biden story. Uh, It's not restricted to just national sites. 
So this young lady seems like a nice young lady. She's a doctor. The story begins talking about her working on the northeast side in a federally qualified health center, which serves underprivileged communities. Um, The upsides were the diverse people, many of whom required a translator. Uh, Dr. Moreland, that's who this is about, says, It was so beautiful. I thought, I want to serve this population. I want to do something different where I can offer patients care that they need, but I can do it in a way that they deserve. Okay, so she's opened up her new practice, and that's the thrust of the story. So I'm thinking, well, she's going to open her practice right there in that community. No, she's opening it in New Albany. Now, I'm left to wonder, because the rest of the story, and it's long, never explains why someone who is a minority doctor and who talks about in this story uh, being uh, uncomfortable from the fact that she was a minority in her class at Ohio State in medical school. She says, I was the token black girl. If you want to help underprivileged communities, why would you locate your office in New Albany? That seems like a question that needs to be answered. New Albany, which is a community, an, can we say it's an affluent community? The median home price is 266000 Uh, The poverty rate is well below 2% in New Albany. The population is 80% white. It's 8% black. If you want to serve a population that's underprivileged and diverse, it doesn't seem to me like you'd locate your practice in New Albany. But that question's never asked. So it's agenda-driven. It just, you just... This Erica Thompson of the Dispatch just gives this doctor license to talk about how racist medicine is and patient care. And listen to this line. Now, you tell me who the racist is, okay? So this young lady went to a historically black college, Florida A&M. Then she went to OSU. Here's the statement from the reporter, Erica Thompson. She was one of only a handful of black students in her class and didn't see enough faculty who looked like her. Well, what would be enough? Why does the skin color of the faculty matter? She obviously wasn't a victim of racism. She was admitted to the medical school. If you're looking at the race of the professors as if they can only teach you if they're the same race as you, again, I will ask, who's the racist? Who's the real racist? And here's a quote from the doctor. If the people who are taking care of people don't necessarily value us and see us as the same, how can they provide the best quality care to us? Well, Doc, I assume you took this thing called the Hippocratic Oath, which says that you will care for the person, the patient, with your absolute best effort. I do not believe that doctors... At least not the doctors I've known, and I've known a lot of them. She's insinuating that doctors can only care for patients who are the same race as they are. And that is just not true. It may be true of her. It may be true of her mindset. She's indicating it's true of her mindset. It's not true of the doctors I know. They are wholly devoted to the Hippocratic Oath and consider it a privilege to be able to help people who need their care, regardless of what color they are. 
So this story bothered me because it purports to celebrate her, and there's a lot to celebrate about her. She's clearly very smart. She's started her own practice. She's doing it on a budget plan for people, and I think that's great. But if you locate your practice in New Albany, and then you're going to carp about how you want to reach more people who look like you, I don't understand why you put it where you put it, and I certainly don't understand why you would say or insinuate that doctors have to look like the patients they care for in order to truly care for them, because that is not at all true.